Hi, and welcome to The Stripping Scholar, a podcast with me, Fräulein Frauke. Here I talk with very specially invited guests about burlesque as an artistic practice and explore concepts around sexuality on stage. Hello and warmly welcome. I am super happy to today be talking to Jonas Eklund. You have a PhD in theater studies from Stockholm University that you finished in 2019. In your dissertation, The Sensational Body, you explore spectators' experience of bodies on stage within circus, burlesque and freak show. And now you are working at the Stockholm University of the Arts. I found you, so to speak, uh, through the book that came out of your PhD, uh, where many of the uh, burlesque-related photos are by my partner, JP, and from our burlesque show, Fräulein Fröcke Presents. Hello and welcome. Thank you. It's very (laughs) nice to be here. Lovely to have you here. Today we are going to be talking about spectatorship, and this is what Wikipedia has to say about audience, which is what came up when I searched for spectator. An audience is a group of people who participate in a show or encounter a work of art, literature, in which they are called readers, theater, music, in which they are called listeners, video games, in which they are called players, or academics in any medium. Audience members participate in different ways in different kinds of art. Some events invite overt audience participation, and others allow only modest clapping and criticism and reception. Uh, so that is like the short, uh, the, the first version. Uh, what is your understanding of the word audience or spectator? And do you think that there is a distinction between the spectator and the audience? When I, when I think of the words audience and spectator, I mean, I think, I think in, within theater studies, general ways to, to, to name them audience. That's, that's like the common way of speaking about the visitors to a theater performance. In in my dissertation and in, in my idea of theater studies, I, I rather use the word spectator. And I make, I don't, I'm not sure if I do, I, I make the distinction, but if you just look at the, at the word uh, as itself, audience is from audio, which means like listening. Mm, and spectator comes from viewing, as in the viewer. And since um, the genres I'm interested in within theater, it's, it's usually like highly visual genres like circus, burlesque, freak show, uh, different acts of comedy and so on. So they are really focused on the spectator or like for the viewer to kind of see what's going on. There's not always a text and there's not always like a script that you need to follow. So uh, in that sense, I just prefer to use the word spectator. But I know that within the field, they are used uh, interchangeably. Mostly, I would say. That's so interesting. I have never thought about that. That was a great answer. <laughs> in my in my opinion, uh, or like just feeling, was like, oh, I really like the word spectator. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that on my on my list from the beginning of words or concept I wanted to talk about. And the longer I've been doing this podcast, the more words or concepts yeah. have come up, come up. And it was literally reading your book uh, that made me like actually uh, spectator as a concept, as a role, is so interesting and so important. So I wanted to like take it and then 
when I was like, oh yeah, what is actually the, the difference, you yeah. know? But yeah, audio, audience, of course. Yeah, I've never thought of that. <laughs> That's great. You have made a PhD about the, the audience experience in, yeah. like, like you were saying, kind of bodily art forms. Why did you choose that specifically? I mean, you were saying it interests you, but... Yeah. Well, the starting point for my dissertation was uh, I found this concept called, called the body genre. It's a, a, a cinema scholar, a film scholar called Linda Williams. She invented this concept, I think, in, in the 70s. And her idea was that there are specific genres within uh, cinema that has the specific aim of, of causing some kind of reaction in the body of the spectator or audience. And she had the, the genres uh, melodrama, pornography and horror movies. So when I was thinking of this and I've been working with, with different concepts of circus and always enjoyed the burlesque and, and, and was really interested of the freak show, I kind of translated this idea of, of these three as circus as a way to, to, to really not attack the audience, but really make the audience or the spectators to, to feel a wow experience or something. The burlesque, not not as pornography, that's have the, like the intention to to get you like um, horny or, or like really excite you. But there's this tease within burlesque, and there's some kind of physical thing happening as well as well. And then the freak show that's kind of in in relation to the horror movies, with the big difference that freak show is kind of real and it's live and <laughs> real people uh, at stage. So. That was kind of the way I, I, I found this. I kind of started the project in that way, thinking about this. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I totally agree that there is a, a difference in just sitting down and experiencing something. And of course, for most art or, you know, most experience, we can, we are audience of, uh, hopefully they it does something to us, like intellectually or, you know, yeah. make us think. But, but yeah, like those things like pornography, melodrama and uh, horror. horror yeah. Yeah, it's true. Like it, something else happened. Like something yeah. more uh, physical, yeah. almost. I guess is the point. Like yeah. you want people to get aroused, or you want people to get yeah, exactly. Uh, fried. Yeah, that's so. You kind of took that uh, cinematic approach, but like put it onto the stage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and then an, another th- uh, thing that I came to think of when I started to kind of look into these different genres is how they all appeared in in like the the circus in late eighteenth century, and then becomes really big in the early 20th century and then the burlesque and freak show is both kind of a spin-off of the circus tradition with mm. sideshows and so on so they kind of move within the same universe i would say yeah and they also kind of starting to disappear during the early 20th century but then the circus make like the the neo circus or the new circus movement in the 70s and then the neo burlesque like late 80s 90s and then the kind of neo freak thing going on in the early 21st century so so there's also this interesting thing with these kind of genres that is somehow on a decline and some some would probably say that they don't really have a place in modern society. Yeah. But somehow we just need them or we just crave them and then they're just brought back as as like uh, something we, we really want and, and, and enjoy. No, it's very true. It's very kind of all of them are like kind of unmodern in yeah. one way and yeah. then in another way like super modern or like very actuel in in terms of what they are saying yeah. to the <laughs> to us as audience or yeah. um, or what you put in it. I mean, you've already kind of touched on it, but what are some of your findings or, or something maybe that surprised you going into it? Or Yeah. Well, my, my approach to, to the research is, is I'm using phenology, which means that I kind of use my own experience to kind of discuss the spectator's experience and such. I kind of 
started with different acts that I watched and, and then I tried to analyze my own experience, both bodily and, and, and mentally, and try to understand why am I feeling the way I do or why I'm sensing the way I do. So from that on, I then started to use like theory and so on to kind of uh, discuss different things I find. So, I mean, there's several different things going on all the time. And my structure is kind of structures around these kind of uh, experiences. So it's like the experience of desire uh, from uh, burlesque, the experience of um, disgust from freak show and so on. So I'm not sure if the findings are in the experience as such. It's more like that there is something going on that is really interesting. And I I wish more people would try to actually think about what they're seeing and try to like get to the get to the core of the experience. It, it's really easy to try to, especially when you're from theater studies and, and you always try to consider what's the meaning of this and, and, and what does this play have to say to the modern society. But then I think you're kind of missing the experience of it. And in these genres, the experience is sometimes the most important thing. Mm. You don't really have to try to look at some some meaning of the thing. It, it mm. might just be the experience as such. Mm. Uh, but then there's meaning as well. And like, like there's different of layers that you kind of can uh, go deeper and deeper. And, and you just realize that it's really complex and really interesting. And I, I mean, one finding might be how it's so tied to the personal experience. The personal experience is so tied to my personal history. Mm. I mean, I can't really... I can't get rid of what I've experienced before because I'm always within myself and I'm always me when I watch something or, or experience something. Is that? Do you think that that is uh, true in everything? Like, would that also be true in opera or theater? Or, or so is that more of a like that is what I have realized about audience, or is that something that is what I realized about audience within these genres? I, th- I think that's that's true for all uh, mm. uh, all experiences pretty much, and 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 that's like even outside of of theater. I mean, yeah. if we have an encounter now and and we have this discussion in this podcast, my experience from previous podcast affects this yeah, yeah. Okay. experience. Yeah, so, I see so, what you mean. so we're always tied and to ourselves. And that becomes very clear when yeah. you start analyzing it. Yeah, we can't kind of step out and be the perfect neutral yeah. audience or or whatever. <laughs> and we don't really want that either. No. I would say so. It's it's just like this. In, in some sciences or in, in some, some scholarly studies, there's this idea of the objective mm. or something. And it's just, I would say it's just, you can't, yeah. you can't work with the objective. And as a phenologist, you kind of always use the subjectivity because mm. that's the only thing you get access to. Even the most objective things you can, can kind of consider like mathematics. Everybody knows that this is this and this is that. But just thinking about this system is from within our subjectivity. So the subjectivity is always there before the yeah. objectivity. What I think about when you say this specific thing is is reviewers. Yeah. And like you say, there has been, I think for a long time, a, a striving for the object. My experience doesn't matter. I can review this or yeah. I can have opinions about this that are neutral. Yeah. And yeah, I think that in our society now, we kind of understand that that is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> But still people are kind of claiming that or... or i don't know really what I think about that. No, I kind of go off on a, on another thing. But this thing of reviewing, there's been quite a lot of debates in cultural of like who should review what. There was I don't remember the film, but it was a film coming out that was like I think it was uh, Hispanic or something, and yeah. it got really badly reviewed. But the community absolutely loved it. Yeah. But you know there was only kind of white <laughs> people reviewing it, and discussion came up like yeah. is this fair? And quite a few reviewers got very provoked. And in one way. 
I do think it's fair enough to say that, you know, people should be able to review things, but it is also, I mean, I would never go and review an opera, you know, yeah. because I, I don't speak that language, you know, yeah. I, I, I might enjoy it or not, but I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And at the same time, it feels almost like, especially from a performer perspective, you can't really complain on the reviewers, uh, which also is fair. But yeah, I just thought of that when, when you were talking about it, like how I think everybody in a way can agree on that. But yeah. still, we have this idea of, yeah. oh, but I can just pluck myself out of my experiences and be yeah. neutral in... Yeah, we tend to forget that, that we're always yeah. both within our bodies and our body's histories and our mind and uh, like our personal histories so that we can't really step out of that. And I think it's, it's useful to people to start recognizing that and, mm. and start thinking that when I have this experience, it's just a way of not being so judgmental and yeah. it's, it's just a way of being open to things going on. And, and okay, this might offend me, but that's on me. It might yeah. not be on the things going on on stage. Uh, so I think it's a good, good, good view on life in general to kind of understand that the things you're coming with is always there as a spectator. Or, yeah, totally. Yeah. But then also as an audience member, you have to do some amount of work, yeah. right? To kind of to come in, and I'm not just talking about burlesque, but like to come into something, to want to enjoy something. You bought a ticket or whatever, and then yeah, to have this openness of understanding, yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think there's something specific? that burlesque audiences experience that other audiences don't experience? Or is there something specific here? Yeah, I would say that there are, I mean, there's certainly specific experiences you get from burlesque, like from the, the type of act you see and so on. Uh, I mean, it's it's quite uh, it's a special art form. And, and I, I think a lot of people have ideas of burlesque that, that haven't really experienced burlesque, that they don't really understand what it is. But it also depends, I would say, on on the shows you're usually, um, the events you, you kind of have with the dressed up audience and so on. I think that's kind of a really specific setting because then you're kind of changing the dynamics within the spectators and, and in the audience and kind of create something else. Like uh, then you start to manu manipulate the audience in a sense by forcing them to kind of engage within the uh, performance because I've been I've been to a lot of your uh, events and I've been to to the uh, Stockholm Burlesque Festival at Södertjatan, which is like the sitting audience, and I think there's quite a difference in in the experience of it. I mean, yeah. both as a spectator and and just like the the event as as a thing, it's like a different energy is going on. I would say, and I think that is to do with also the thing that if you're like a standing audience and you're all dressed up and. You're just in it together. There's like forming a community in a sense uh, within the audience that is kind of specific. I wouldn't say that it's exclusive for burlesque. It, it probably exists in, in others. I mean, live role play and, and other mm -hmm. kind of art forms as well. But when it comes to the genres I have researched, the burlesque is kind of really, really there with the kind of community building within the audience and so on. So yeah. it's, it's kind of specific. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because I, I was thinking about it when I was preparing this this meeting with you and, and I tried to think about other visual art forms, like yeah. similar theatrical art forms. And and it's so also interesting how things kind of change. I was invited to a premiere at the opera a few years ago. It was a world premiere, so it was a newly written Swedish opera. Yeah. I mean, which doesn't happen that often because it's a huge, a huge undertake. And I was so excited. Yeah. And me and my partner really dressed up and, and most people really didn't. Yeah. Which is like in one way, I think that it's so important that the so-called higher, quote unquote, 
art forms is available. So yeah. it's not like I'm sitting here as this super snob and like they should have wore dress. But it also was interesting for me who is a quite like theatrical person and, yeah. and enjoy that space of being at the opera, which is beautiful, you yeah. know. And just kind of sitting there next to all these people in kind of scrubby jeans. And, and I was like, oh, it's also coming from burlesque where we do dress up. It yeah, was yeah. such a clash in also the experience. And I am a person that doesn't mind being overdressed. I mean, everybody looked at me, so I was happy. <laughs> but I can imagine also from other perspectives, like that would be awkward yeah, <laughs> to yeah. kind of come there and look very different from everybody else. And, yeah. and we have this tendency to like want to you know fit in and so I was thinking about that like in terms of yeah audiences like what do we what do we ask of our audience I mean I think most performers like the only thing we ask is for them to show up yeah. <laughs> you know I'm happy if someone comes see me sing I'm like thank you uh, but with burlesque yeah we're quite specific and ask quite a bit more we ask for this dress code and and I uh, I really liked how you had framed that in your book and what you were talking about now this thing of like it's a fairly simple ask like it's yeah. not that difficult but it creates what I hope it does, it's like it creates a bond together, yeah. like in a shared, shared experience. But, but it also has its kind of downfalls mm -hmm. compared to this, like, yeah, the, the people in the jeans at the opera. Like, I want burlesque and my own productions to be very available. I yeah. want people to uh, not feel scared to coming. And in the beginning, when I started, we didn't have a dress code. We just say, please dress up. But we didn't yeah. kind of enforce it in any way. And we had several similar experiences, but... As an example, we had this, my sister stood in line outside and she met this guy who was there alone. He was in like kind of hip hop, like kind of sporty hip hop gear uh -huh. or like he looked a bit super modern and, you know, very cool. And he was just there. He was like, yeah, I don't know what this is, but I'm, you know, it's going to be fun. And and he looked obviously so different from everybody uh -huh. else that was super updressed and vintagey or, or all those things. And they were, they kind of talked to him in the queue and they were so intrigued by this uh -huh. dude and, and just what he would think. Uh -huh. And then several hours later, they met again at the bar and he was delighted. Like he had such a good time and he was like, next year, uh, next time I'm going to dress up. Yeah. And, and I feel as, as a producer, <laughs> I want also that guy yeah. to be able to come. Yeah. You know, it's a mixed bag of kind of asking this yeah. of the audience and kind of try to enforce it. And at the same time, when, when it isn't being perfectly, you know, sometimes people do slip in that isn't, you know, where yeah. does the line go and all that. And other people then can be quite upset. They're like, we, we that person is not dressed up enough. And yeah. so it's been, a, for me just personally, it's a kind of back and forth yeah. of where you put the line. Because what I absolutely don't want is people to feel like, oh, I have to buy new clothes to, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to get into any of those kind of specificness yeah. of, Talking of, of also what you were saying, like kind of LARPers or other forms that are inviting a, a different audience response. Uh, we were at something in, in London, me and my partner called, it's called Secret Cinema. It is where they show a film mm -hmm. as a cinema setting, but then they also have like kind of interactive parties around the film. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I don't do LARPing myself, but my partner has been involved in the LARP world. And I mean, that is really like an art form where mm -hmm. it's, completely interactive and we were so intrigued to go to this event and there I really felt like they even had like a shop because you got a role and they said like you need to have a green skirt and you can buy that here <laughs> I mean felt absolutely as coming from someone yeah. that deals with this stuff I was super annoyed it yeah. was expensive tickets and they just wanted me to come there and kind of spend more money 
creating some fake space. I, I was I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> and that was an example for me that I thought like this is not at all working. Yeah. Uh, I think the intention is interesting. You know, mm-hmm. we saw Moulin Rouge, and if someone has dress outfits for Moulin Rouge, it should be me. But even I didn't because it was so specific. You know, yeah. it was crazy. It's a fine line in like trying to include audience, especially mm. bigger bigger audiences, and then also just let people <laughs> like yeah. be. And I think that that is yeah, like I say, just a challenge and exciting challenge. I think it's good that you keep that kind of to the dress code because yeah. it is something different. I mean, it just affects like the energy in the room and kind of the trust. I would say. Yes. I mean, trust is so important in this kind of uh, genre where you kind of give off yourself both on stage and in the in the in the audience as well so you want that kind of safe space yeah. and you and, and you need to trust the people around you and i mean it's easy to trust a guy with the beard and a, and a three-piece suit or something than, than a guy in hip-hop clothes i guess no, but it's within, tr- within the setting I, within the setting i yeah. totally agree and that is also why we do have it this thing of i always say like what we don't want yeah. is kind of tourism or you know for people Uh, to come here and look at the freaks. Yeah. Because that is the, the opposite of a safe space, or like yeah. the opposite of, of a warm burlesque audience. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to have the dress code. It's, it's interesting when you start to uh, deconstruct it and kind yeah. of say, where does the limit goes? Uh, and also what you were referring to, we have the Stockholm Burlesque Festival where we do have two nights, one seated and one in our normal standing audience. And for that event, we don't have a dress code. We yeah. still like people to dress up and most people do because it is burlesque and yeah. people love it. But for that, we really want it to be like easy, accessible and new people to come in. And, and yeah, it does change also the... Yeah. The level of dressing up, because it is even if most people do dress up, it's like it's it's quite different from our like very themed base, yeah. which I think that that um, the people that really love it misses. Yeah. And then the the bonus or the kind of good thing about it is that more people have a way in. Yeah. But do you do you find it different like with the sitting audience when it comes to like the energy? I I kind of feel that I sense or. Yes and no. Of course, there's a little bit of a difference yeah. because at at Nalan our big shows. It really feels like a concert, like you feel like a superstar, which is really nice. Uh, But I will say that at the theater shows, because a burlesque audience also compared to so many other art forms, like they are so uh, lively, they are so very generous in their love giving. So I I must say that it's not like one is, oh, great, I get loads of energy and the other one is like polite and quiet. I think it's it's fairly similar in terms of the the performer's perspective, Mm. at least that's my experience. Yeah. But I can imagine it, it, the difference, or I mean, I have also obviously been in lots of audiences. There is a difference because, like you kind of saying, you have more your own space and uh, usually also like more people go home directly after. Or like you don't, yeah. it, it doesn't become this kind of mi- mix match of people, yeah. which is one of my favorite things about about the, the way of being an audience. Like I say, when I'm an audience or when I'm in the audience, because I used to go out like clubbing a lot when I was younger. And that's really fun, but it is, it has a, you know, Stockholm nightlife. It has this, like, you're kind of there to be drunk and to get laid often. (laughs) And what is really lovely with, like, where you, when you go, and I guess it's the same, say, concerts. I mean, I'm not a a very big concert goer, but, like, when you have a reason to go out rather than just get drunk and (laughs) there's easier to talk to people. I mean, that's what a lot of people are telling me, like, how nice it is that you can just talk to people. Yeah. Because they don't necessarily think that you're flirting with them or you want something from them. You can just kind of compliment each other. Yeah. And also to get back to the dress code, that also comes off 
a way of having a, a starting point to talk. Like yeah. Yeah. directly you can say something about. So that is something that, yeah, also helps, I think. But I was also thinking, yeah, this terms of, of concerts, because we have obviously outspoken dress codes, but the only other audience I could think about, and I didn't think about LARPers, so that's yeah. two then. But is yeah, if you go to like a specific concert yeah. and you all have the, you know, the Smiths t-shirts yeah. or whatever, that all of a sudden you create a clump <laughs> or yeah, like yeah, a yeah. community by visual cues. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in most other things, it, it doesn't really, yeah. you don't really have those kind of connection points. And in, and in a sense, I would say that mm. like the normal audience to any event is probably more uniform anyway. I mean, yeah. you get the dress code, but the dress code kind of makes it uh, diverse, I would say. Oh, I totally agree. And th- but that's an interesting thing overall, this thing, how we clump ourselves together with people looking yeah. like us without thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. If you go to the baser, people will look at one yeah. thing. And if you go to <laughs> Studeplan, they will look... The another same, way, yeah. but in another way, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's totally true. But I also find it interesting in terms of like dress code and stuff because, like I said earlier, one of the things that people, if if there is like a couple of people that aren't dressed up enough, they they do get quite upset. Like that people, even at our show, they're like they they want it to be on a level. Yeah. Uh, and I think at least partly it is this thing like you don't want to be different. Mm. And I just personally cannot relate to that. Yeah. I'm really quite happy when <laughs> I'm much worse than everybody else. Uh, so I have had a little bit hard. I'm just like, who cares? You, you know, that's great. You, you, yeah. In my world, you can't really dress up too much. Yeah. And I have really realized that a lot of other people think you can. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's the way it is. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> One thing that that has actually bothered me a little bit and has directly to do with audience Mm. and groups of audience and people coming to this type of event is their own view or are as a community's view on the audience. Mm. I feel like the role of the audience within specifically burlesque is there's always a striving for something else. Mm. Like, as a concrete example, my partner JP is involved in the burlesque scene, obviously. They are a producer and a photographer, among other things. And we get so many questions, both I and them get so many questions about like, oh, but when will JP go up on stage? Mm. As this like goal of that is the goal. Everybody wants to be on stage. And although I find it, I think it is a beautiful art form and people who want to go up on stage, I I, I appreciate that and uh, encourage that. But it is interesting that that is... Quite often, I've had many people, you know, acquaintances and audience members or friends that almost apologize for, for not, oh, I don't want to be on stage myself, but but I love it. Mm. And you're like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me that that comes up so often. Mm. I don't know. Do you have any relationship to that or... Well, I, I kind of recognize it. Mm. I mean, uh, n- not many people have asked me why, why I'm not on stage, but, but I can see kind of the... That that is something that is going on, and and I think it it might be uh, the things that we have been into like the community building and so on that there is some kind of the, the audience is dressed up and and it's kind of some of them are really kind of getting close to kind of the stage when it comes to their uh, mm. outfits and so on. So so I mean there's kind of like an exhibitory kind of style people do. So so I guess we're in the uh, realms within the audience of of thinking in that way, yeah. and also with this kind of. Um, because I would say that the, the burlesque is kind of probably helping people with like their 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 feelings about their bodies and, and the kind mm. of body positivity and and uh, 
uh, norms about sexuality and so on. So I mean, there's a lot of things going on within the audience. And I think a lot of people in the audience, if they feel that this is liberating me in a mm. sense, it's easy to kind of think, yeah, but aren't we all going to go get up at, on stage at some point? Mm. Which, of, of course, is not, not the case. But I guess it can be something with this kind of community sense that makes it... I mean, I also remember from being at, at one of... I mean, or from some of your events that, like, after the, the performers are done, they come down in the audience and there's, like, this party thing. And then it's so... I mean, then you're really... You're, you're, you're dancing with some of these, like international performance mm. you have, have been like seeing on stage several times and there's some there's like a lure in that yeah. kind of like we're all in it together so um, I think a lot of people are also kind of maybe wanted to get on stage at some yeah. time but never felt that they could yeah. and then it's just a way of kind of te- it's close yeah, yeah. And, and like maybe testing the fields yeah. with others are, are you going going uh, not good, true good. I felt like I, I came across as too negative to it I just find it because I agree with everything yeah. you're saying. <laughs> but I just find it a little bit like the audience is so important. Yeah. And it's like, I, I feel like sometimes it can be almost degrading of the role of the audience. Oh. And also, like you were now saying, it isn't just, oh, you sit there and you watch and you clap your hands for me or, you know, for the yeah. other performers. It is really like a self-expression in itself. Yeah. Uh, but also, as you just so eloquently said, it is also the performativity yeah. of that space, which of course is close to yeah. a real performative space. But yeah, so it's not it's not like I have anything against it, but or I have against it when someone goes, I don't want to be on stage, and it's almost like <laughs> forgive me, yeah, you know, yeah, and I'm yeah. like that is fine because I think that there is enough power in taking these spaces for yourself. Yeah, I think there is a lot of potential in going to shows creating little mini alter egos or pushing my own aesthetic or my own kind of boundaries of what I want to express. And just to not like diss that just because it's not on stage. And of course the stage is alluring. I mean, I totally uh, understand that. But it is funny, for example, then with my partner, which which is not a performer and doesn't want to be a performer. And it's like, oh, but that must be the idea. And I think that's more like where the the question comes from. It's like, there's other, there's also other roles in Art forms like burlesque, like we've talked so much about, like it's an industry and it's a form yeah. and it's a show on stage, but it is also a community. You know, there are day markets and there are, you know, fashion and there are costume making and there are, you can you can work together yeah. with things and you can go courses and down. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can do around it. And there is also so many roles in that that are yeah. also important, you know. But, but there is also something, and, and this is mostly, I mean, I write a bit about this primarily in the circus chapter, that... Every time I go to see a circus performance and people are like hanging up in the air and something, it really just hits me inside. It's like I got this kind of, there's this concept of kinesthetic empathy. Mm. You kind of feel the same thing as mm. people on the stage feel. In a sense, it's it's about the same in the burlesque. I mean, when we are in the audience or as spectators and watch someone perform, in a sense, we are there up on stage with mm. them. I mean, we, we kind of feel it in our bodies in a sense. And, and in that sense of liberation, I, I think that we kind of all aspire to be that person. Maybe not on stage, yeah, but yeah. we want to be that person in a sense. And I think that's why also burlesque is such a like strong community. If you like it, you really like yeah. it. If you don't like it, you're never back again, I, I would say. So so I think there's something with that. And also, I mean, every time I watch circus, I just I just wonder why I didn't just run away with the circus. <laughs> Probably because there was no circus around when I grew up, pretty much. But I mean, there's something so 
so uh, alluring yeah. with, with kind of being one of those doing that. Mm. And in burlesque, just being one of those, having that sexy body and doing that kind of thing. It, it's just such a... Yeah, it is a seduction. Yeah. I mean, totally. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got very seduced by it. So yeah. uh, so I can I can relate to that, I guess. And also that, that burlesque, compared to circus, um, burlesque is such a DIY kind yeah. of art form. Like... The, the threshold of getting up on stage is also low. Yeah. That has, which is a good thing. Like it, it is this, if you have something to say, you can, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, compared to like, if you want to be a ballet dancer, you really have to train. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, a circus performer. It, it, there is a lot of, uh, a different type of, of skills that yeah. are involved that isn't involved in the same way as burlesque. And, and I think that that has, of course, like with everything, situating burlesque in academia is like interesting because yeah. it is such a kind of do-it-yourself compared to many other other forms but it, it, it has a, I think it's a really positive thing because yeah. it, it isn't so much about the the physical skills it's more about the kind of storytelling or connection uh-huh. uh, and and try and error yeah it's very similar to like stand-up you can't I mean of course you can take stand-up courses like with everything but like you can't really I mean you could take stand-up courses but you still suck exactly that's usually that's exactly. The thing. but yeah. you have and it's just this about like you you yeah. learn just by doing the work uh, yeah. you just do it yeah. and either you kind of have it and then you will get better or yeah. And also in, in relation to, to audience, I always talk about like the stand-up and burlesque is the only two places where I usually kind of compare the two yeah. uh, in audience relationship. Because in burlesque, you so directly reference the audience and yeah. like communicate with the audience. And I'm not saying other forms doesn't. I mean, when I'm a singer, of course, I yeah. connect to the audience. I mean, otherwise that would be super boring. But still, I can still sing with my band. Yeah. You know, it's still the same songs. We still do the same thing. But with burlesque, it isn't really the same. Yeah. I mean, of course, I can practice my striptease act in terms of like, here's the step. And but there is and I feel like it's the same with stand up. Yeah. Of course, you can stand up and, and say jokes, yeah. but it isn't really stand up if no one reacts to those jokes yeah, yeah. in a way. And I feel like like with theater, I mean, of course, you want an audience for theater, but you still you, you reference a text or, yeah. you know, a choreographer or a director or the other players. Many conferenciers joke about that. You have to cheer and, yeah. <laughs> and applaud the striptease because otherwise it's just sad. <laughs> you know, yeah. it becomes a very... To just good take your, your clothes off for a complete empty... Uh, not empty, but like silent, serious yeah. room is awkward. <laughs> you know, it's different. Yeah. So I feel like it's a very specific relationship that both those two forms yeah. have in common. Which is maybe a little bit different to, say, circus, which where they really... Again, all forms want and need an audience but they have this skill that they yeah. are kind of referring to to back to and it still is circus even yeah. if it's a circus performer circus performer in the woods <laughs> if yeah. no one can hear them like and with burlesque i would say no <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's... A, a person taking their clothes off you know? <laughs> yeah no it's it's a good point and i mean I would say maybe if, if, if we just take one character of the circus, the, the clown is kind of closer to both. The, True. So, so that's, that's like the outlier, I would say, yeah, in, that, in that setting. Uh, but I mean, I, I think you're, you're totally right. And it's a, g- a good observation, I would say, because, I mean, stand up kind of demands the laughter. If there's no mm. laughter, it's, it's not working and, and there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing as, as, as horrible as, as comedy that doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's yeah. just... Uh, <laughs> Painful. Oh yeah, I rather go to the dentist, and I really hate going <laughs> to the dentist. So that that's like really sad. And I mean, burlesque is, as you said, it's a seduction. I mean, burlesque is, in a sense, it's it's teasing. And if you don't have anything to tease, I mean, there is this play with sexuality and and the play of of um, uh, 
the play of the body. So, so you really need someone to receive it because yeah. otherwise it's nothing. You're spot on on, on that observation. Um, and another thing that is kind of common between stand-up and, and burlesque is kind of the personal story that is kind of yeah. invested within True. the body, even though I think a lot of stand-up comedians say that they experience things that they don't really do. Oh, yeah, do. of course. And, of course, a lot mm-hmm. of burlesque performances start from other references mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with them. But, I mean, within their bodies, they're still always themselves. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting with the kind of the burlesque persona. It's so interesting when you get, like, layers of an act, because then you have, like... Uh, the spectator, and in this case, the spectator is kind of strange as well because they're in, in a costume they're not used to. Mm. And they're watching like a real body that is like a, a real person has an identity, a, a passport and a specific <laughs> name and so on. And this person is playing a persona or have like this burlesque identity that is then playing with the audience. So there's like different layers. I mean, you still see kind of the performer, yeah. but you kind of focus on the persona so there's like, and then sometimes there's even another layer, like you have the persona who then plays like I'm exactly. a mermaid yeah, today, yeah, or yeah. like you know I'm a fish, or I'm yeah. a Snow White, or whatever. So it's like even more layers. Yeah, and then you can also like start to play and, uh, and elaborate with this, like letting like your, the real person come come through at stage at, mm. at points, just to kind of oh you who know me recognize yeah. me as my real person now and so on. So there's like a lot of things to kind of play with, which makes it really interesting. Yeah. Uh, in in that like relation between the the, the audience or the spectators and and, uh, and the performer. Yeah, I totally agree, and it is because of course we're playing a role, but it isn't like you're saying it is a persona rather than like a role. Yeah. It's not like an actor takes on a role and they can be more or less close yeah. to you and they can be more or less staying with you for a long time. I mean, I, I can only imagine it's really exciting. Yeah. But it is something quite different from that. You yeah. kind of you live with this persona and develop them for a long time and. They become very... I've thought a lot about that, like my own, like Frauke versus Felicia yeah. uh, lately as well. Like this uh, weird, in yeah. a way, relationship sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And quite, yeah, you're two people, but you're, of course, only one person. And, yeah. um, I have another thing I haven't uh, thought about before, but yeah, now yeah. I want to talk about it. So we'll see how it goes. I would love to hear your um, opinions, thoughts, feelings, memories, uh, whatever, uh, about being a male spectator in burlesque. Because yeah. burlesque is such a... I mean, it is very mixed. We have a very mixed and beautiful audience, but it is, it, it's often referred to as this, it's more women in the audience than men. Like it's a very kind of female based, yeah. uh, female strong or woman strong. Female is a weird word, but you know, like, yeah, yeah. what do you think about that? What it is to be a male <laughs> Representing audience. the male audience. <laughs> yeah, the male audience, that's me. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think a lot about that, especially when you like consider the more like, subversive acts and, and I mean there is this potential of just like challenging norms and so on and I mean I had I, I had at, at some times when I've been to burlesque male parts of the audience like bigger groups that maybe they dress up but they're dressed in like ordinary suits or mm-hmm. something which is kind of yeah we see you because you're kind of not dressed up in the way we're thinking about dress mm. up and it kind of changes energy I mean if there is a male group that is growing too big I would say it, it's just something happens with the energy in the room. Mm. And it's, it's kind of difficult. As a solo male, I think it's easier because then you kind of yeah. hide. And it's, it's also up to the male to kind of behave in a sense. So, yeah, sometimes you, you kind of... Sometimes it feels like people think that as a male you go there to be like sexually attracted to, to uh, uh, women taking off their clothes. And I think it's kind of a sad idea that that should be it because then... I mean, there's a better way to kind of find 
Yeah, there's more effective ways. <laughs> yeah, there's more effective ways. And it's just kind of stupid because then you don't understand what Polesca is. Uh, so I think the most males... I'm, uh, male people I, I meet that the burlesque is kind of they usually have like feminist values and they're trying to kind of they're trying to subvert society in a way that is more in line with the modern way of thinking of, of like body positivity and, and, inclusive and masculinity yeah and masculinity yeah. as well and I mean uh, some of my, my greatest experiences uh, in the audience has been from from like boylesque like mm. male performance doing things that I, I just I'm amazed and it kind of moves me really uh, in a way I, I didn't expect. And I still kind of identify as a straight male, but there's something other, and, and, and I write about like this, the experience of desire uh, in, in one of my chapters. And it's kind of interesting because there's so much things going on as a, as a straight male to kind of experience some kind of uh, queer desire. But it's not like really off the personal stage. It might be, as we talked talked about earlier, like trying to, be the one on stage like the sire might be for the attention the guy on stage gets so it's kind of this thing again like i get the sense of being the one in on stage and so on so there's so much things going going on at the same time so yeah i think more men should should experience burlesque i think that would be good but yeah. then again it it might kind of affect the energy so they should probably have like tickets and yeah you can go to this <laughs> yeah. and you can go to the next and so we, we even them out <laughs> yeah Long, a long way. No, but that's really nice to hear because I mean I think that men has a huge and important and are very welcome in the burlesque scene. But absolutely, like you say, one of the reasons we have these dress codes is to avoid the big groups of, yeah. of men or young men or you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I have also talked to quite a lot of men that that comes regularly about their role as burlesque yeah. audience, and I think that quite a few of them would love to talk about it, like yeah. maybe with other men or. So I don't know if I'm the one that should initiate yeah, yeah. this, but I've been really interested in that. And I would love to talk more to, to men about this. Also, like the kind of, what is masculinity? You know, all those yeah. kind of silly questions in a way. But I think that are, as I think they are important for women, like important for men. But I see that there's maybe fewer places yeah. to express yourself as a as a man, yeah, maybe, yeah. Than, than as a woman. If I'm, if I'm talking about like kind of aesthetically or like, you know, yeah. outside of certain boxes which are, yeah. uh, you know, tiny often. So that has, yeah, I just kind of got curious here. Like, here I have you, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. representation. We should get together like a male burlesque spectator uh, session and yeah, just have exactly. a discussion on that. No, I would love that. And like, yeah. again, like maybe I'm not the one that should. <laughs> like, yeah. I have tried, I talked about it to JP a few years ago. Like, can you, can you maybe do that? Yeah, like, yeah. lead it or like at least initiate it yeah. and, you know, as everything. But uh, it is actually very interesting to yeah. hear the male uh, experience, yeah. you know, in such a thing that, which often is referred to yeah. women or, or you know, queer or yeah. uh, other types. Uh, I feel so, it, I, I could keep on forever yeah. talking about this because uh, I love burlesque, obviously, but also I really love the audience and the, it's so interesting when you just like scrape on the surface a tiny bit, you're yeah, like, yeah. actually, there's so much things to think about when it yeah, comes to yeah. audience. I do the research pretty much. I mean, the shows was probably like 2016, 17 or something. And then I wrote the book pretty much 2018 and 19. Uh, and now it's been some years and I kind of, I haven't really read my book again. But now like when we start to discuss, there's so much things. Oh, I still want to explore that. Yeah. And I still want to try to kind of, what is that thing going on? And I think there's a lot of things. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to kind of be explored within the field of burlesque and spectatorship. I totally agree. And I really like that you said that, um, I mean, when we talked about the, 
people in the audience wanting to be on stage and and that you really feel the importance of the audience. And I think that's really nice that you kind of recognize that the audience is so important because that's kind of a quite often like a missing piece of, of, of any uh, um, discussion on theater. Mm. I mean, you're talking about the act and you're talking about the actors and performers yeah. and so on, but you kind of forget that without the audience, there's nothing. nothing. Yeah. yeah, no, 100%. So, so uh. it's really nice that you kind of bring that up because uh, me as a kind of, I, I see myself as a prof- professional audience when, when <laughs> oh, I did yeah, my research. Of course. <laughs> so I, I like to get some kind of credit for us being there yes. <laughs> and viewing. All the credits yeah. for the professional and unprofessional audience. <laughs> yeah. uh, with that, I'm saying a huge thank you for this conversation, Jonas. Thank Thanks. you.